Hello, everybody. If you are still with us from last week, we thank you greatly. We understand it wasn't our best work. Mm-hmm. We lost our contract with PBS. We did. <laughs> our producer got really pissed off at us. It was very short-lived. Yeah, yeah. so um, unless, unless something changes, we probably aren't going to be able to do another kids episode for a while. Which is fine, because it's fine. This, this is called the Suck My Fanfic Podcast, which, like, yeah. you know, you really wouldn't want your, That's your children already, yeah. searching for that. Yeah, it's already sexually suggestive. Yeah, one slip of the fingers, slip of the digits, and you're you're down a pretty dark wormhole. I've, I've already messed up the name in what was an otherwise clean podcast on accident, <laughs> and it wasn't even suck my fan dick. It was fuck my fan fan. It was just well, sometimes it happens. You know what I mean? I mean, you can't help it. You got to forgive yourself and keep moving. That's what we do. That's what I do as a human being. I never look back. I never try to improve. I just forgive myself, blame other people, and keep moving. Give it another shot next time. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to work out sometime, I'm sure. Or I die. And then uh, I don't have to worry about it anymore. I think we've, I think we've, I think we've settled it. Yeah. I fi- yeah. We figured it out. I want to take a moment real quick mm-hmm. to thank our, Patreon, our patrons on Patreon. Mm-hmm. You guys have heard me talk ad nauseum about Henry. Henry, I'm sorry you're a cool guy, but... You're not the only one in the club anymore. There are more. It was getting lonely in there. It was. We fed. We were feeding them. Yeah. We were feeding him, but you know, you need to have some company. You need, in, yeah, you need in some that little friends, room, Henry. So yeah. we have more patrons. More and people stuffed into the box. More people stuffed into the box, and we just wanted to take the time to thank y'all. Thank y'all. Thank y'all so much. And thank y'all so much. At the time of uh, recording this, which I'm not gonna lie, guys. We're on our game. Mm-hmm. We've been recording ahead of time now. Oh, yeah. It used to be we would record, we'd post, boom. Right. So right now there are four. Four. And by four. the time you listen to this, there might be 4,000. There's probably going to be about 400,000. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I I don't see it being any less than that. No. We're on an exponential curve. Of course. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Any Anyway, uh, hi, patrons. We would like to thank you all for patronizing us. Is that the proper verb? <laughs> Giving us patronage? That sounds even weirder. That sounds like we're a uh, temple in ancient Greece and people have like pilgrimed. Oh, yeah. To leave us. I love that. That's I actually like that idea. Uh That's it. That's canon now. That is canon now. Yep. Who would you be? Uh, Greek, Greek god or goddess. I'm Mm -hmm. not going to gender it. You know, if there's one that you fit with, I'll just do it. I always liked Apollo. Apollo, really? I like Apollo. I don't think I'd match him at all, but I, that would be cool. Be I figured fun. just Dionysus because of the beer. I might be Dionysus. Yeah, I didn't want to say Dionysus. You didn't want to... <laughs> a little on the nose. You didn't want to uh, admit to all the heavy drinking? Yeah. No, okay, that's fine. Too soon, too soon. Too soon. I <laughs> too soon. Uh, I have no idea who I would be. I want to be Orpheus just because of his part in The Sandman, written by Neil Gaiman. Okay. But I don't think... I'm not very musically inclined, such as Orpheus... So, well, then maybe you'd want to be Orpheus, so you could be musically inclined. Then I could turn into mm-hmm. Orpheus. Who knows? Who knows? I normally, I actually normally say Hades, because I have a martyr complex, mm-hmm. and uh, he's sort of a martyr. I like how, so before they um, before they beat the Titans, they all were given weapons, yeah. and none of them knew what they were going to be the gods of. Yeah, no. So Zeus got, like, lightning, and, uh, you know... Poseidon got something else. And then Hades got the helm of darkness. And it's like, you don't know what you're going to be. <laughs> the helm. You're like, guys, I already know I'm going to be the underworld. Like, come on. Well, you know how they picked that, right? How did they pick it? They drew straws. Oh, I think, yeah, yeah. drew straws. Uh, Hades drew the short straw. Let me, oh, let me take off my helm of darkness. darkness I hope I get to be king straw. of the sea with my helm of darkness. King of Olympus with the helm of darkness. <laughs> the sub the skies. That would yeah. be so metal. That'd be awesome. If if we lived in a world where Hades... Hades was the king of Olympus? No, that'd, that'd be pretty cool. awesome. That'd be an interesting alternate uh, yeah. reality. That's an AU. Someone write that, Someone please. write that right now. So, yes, patrons, thank you. I'm going to... Honestly, when we have 400,000, we'll make a whole episode thanking all of you. Mm -hmm. Uh, But for the time being, Henry, you've got your thanks. Okay? Don't be greedy with the thanks, Henry. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? We've already said his name so many times. We should say some of the other people's names. Yeah, I am. I am. Uh, Brad and Katie, thank you guys. Thanks, Brad and Katie. They are a single patron. Mm -hmm. But thank you both very much. We do appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Very surprised. You are into the podcast, but we really appreciate <laughs> Not going to question it. Gonna After episode you. one, I'm surprised anybody's into the podcast, quite honestly. Once you make it past that, you're in. You're in the club. Yeah, you're kind of in. Yeah, if you don't, if you can't take me at my worst, you don't deserve me at my best. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, that kind of sums it up. Absolutely. Episode one's awful. 
uh, quality of it isn't. It, well, I mean, it's it's our first one, so the quality is a little off. But I'm saying just the story itself. It's is, pretty hardcore. It's yeah. God awful. Hardcore yeah. stuff. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you guys for mm-hmm. sure. We really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, reach out. If you guys have a fic, a fandom, uh, something else that starts with an F that you want us to read or review. Talk about, yeah. yeah flounder. Flounder, fic, fandom, or founder. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Just let us know. We'll do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're not legally bound, but we're more more bound than someone who isn't a patron, for sure. Right. Absolutely. And then uh, Anna and Alyssa, those are two separate patrons. Yes. Thank you both Thank as you well. very much. All the same goes to you on that. I've already put down. I put in the down payment on a new car because of all these patrons that we're getting. So, I'm uh, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm excited. I think about your monthly payments going. are going to be ridiculous. Well, I, I mean, yeah, I just yeah, I use the money that we got and put it put it down, you know, up front, and we're good. Oh well, I mean, I did it on credit because I know oh. we're going to get a lot more. Oh yeah. So yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. When yeah. we get four hundred thousand patrons a month, you can right, right, right. afford that Lamborghini. I've already assumed that, so I, I, I put that down. That's really smart. Mm-hmm. That was a smart mm-hmm. idea. Well, I couldn't. I, I, I had to treat myself. Man. Yeah, I, I treat wait. yourself. I you deserve wait. it. Yeah, you work hard. Yeah. You deserve it. Thank you. Hey, you work hard too. We all work hard. We all do. Yeah. So our our fic today is for a fandom of which we have not yet read a story for. Mm-hmm. Of, story for, of, whatever the correct word would be, mm-hmm. would be on that one. But we have talked about it. So I'm going to talk about it again for those of you who either don't remember or just haven't heard that episode, which if you haven't, pause this, go back and listen to episode three, and then come back to this, you know? But mm-hmm. if not, if you've already listened to episode three, then, you know, you're a pro. Thank you. Thank you for the patronage. All right. Shout out to whoever, whomever. Mm-hmm. But this week's story is about Indiana Jones. Ah, ooh, yes. okay. So... Episode 3, we talked about it a little bit. Indiana Jones was one of my favorite series growing up as a kid, for sure. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Awesome. Harrison Ford. I mean, what more do you want? Action, adventure, humor, romance. I yeah. Mean, it was like the mo- It was like everything you could possibly want in a summer movie Yeah, rolled into yeah. one. I mean, just imagine if Indiana Jones 1 came out today. That would be massive. Yeah, I mean, ridiculously big. It'd be like how uh probably make the same amount of money. Anything that Chris Pratt is in. Basically. Is like good... He actually was rumored to... I remember that. Yeah, yeah. but he, that's not happening. Gotta be LaBeouf. Yeah. I actually didn't hate that. I didn't hate Shia LaBeouf being in the fourth one. Yeah, I got nothing I didn't like it. the fourth one, but I didn't think he was bad. Yeah, I, I got nothing I thought, it was, I thought the way they did it was fine. Yeah, he's got a nice leather jacket. He's riding a motorcycle through a library. Exactly. All the things that you do. Episode three, I talked a little bit about the differences between Indiana Jones and actual archaeology. So if you either remember, don't remember, or never heard, Indiana Jones is not, by today's standards, an archaeologist. Indiana Jones is a what, Ryan? Do you remember? Oh, no. It's like an antiquity. Uh, no, what is it? What is it? Antiquarian. He's antiquarian. an antiquarian. Treasure hunter. That's it. He's an antiquarian. So antiquarian. So it's basically someone who is very, very, very obsessed with just getting like the quote-unquote treasure or the antique or the item. And belongs in a museum. The issue with that is that that's actually pretty damaging to a lot. So, for example, we learn a lot about what's around the item when you're an archaeologist. So you learn a lot about that sort of stuff. What's, I mean, a good example, there's... Probably a lot of dirt, right? You dig it up, what's, yeah. up, what's around it? Just no, but the, the, dirt's, no, the dirt's important. Mm-hmm. So there's a whole branch of archaeology called ethnobotany or paleobotany. And what they do is insane, but they actually take samples from like inside of pots and they can tell you what sort of plant was in that back in the day. And that's actually how they've tracked the evolution of corn. Hmm. So the original corn, when it was wild, looks no- or looked nothing like it does today. What did it look like? Uh, have you ever had, it's not a racism, uh, Chinese corn? Is that what it's called? What's that? You know, oh, that you get with Chinese food, like the yeah. small little tiny corns? Yeah. It looked a lot closer to that. Okay. And it didn't have the the kernels or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It was a lot different. And corn is... Oh my gosh, what have we done to corn? What have we done? It's, I was going to say, it's technically a GMO. Uh, all of corn. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Because it's not genetically modified in the In the future, we're going to have like cherries oh, that yeah. are the size of beanbag chairs. Of course. With Let's no do pits. It. We're going to yeah. get rid of the pits too. Yeah, but I don't think you can actually grow corn unless humans are involved. I think, uh, if I remember correctly, you can't uh, get the the food from the corn unless there are humans involved. Interesting. Yeah. So paleobotanists, ethnobotanists, have actually been able to go back and look in like pottery 
and take samples and tell you what the corn was like back then, which mm. is ridiculous. It's super cool. Like, mm, this one was a yeah. little, little sweet. Yeah. Ooh, this one must have been roasted with yes. maybe garlic on it. Ooh. Mm. So there are a lot of important things to archaeology that are more Ethno- than just the items. culinary yeah. things, yeah. Exactly. Well, th- that's actually, um, God, I hate myself because I can't remember what the name is, but it's basically like an experimental archaeologist mm-hmm. where there are people who will go back and make the recipes that people used to make. There's actually a type of beer maker that does that. Oh, yeah? He, he, they have found recipes written... Um, what? No, like three or four I'm, thousand years ago. I like, I like the idea. It's like, yeah, we're connected with our human heritage. They make it like, oh, this is awful. This is, <laughs> yeah, this wow. is the worst thing this I've is ever terrible. had. Yeah. They probably just do that on Tasty, which that's what you're thinking yeah, of. Yeah, basically. Like a Tasty segment yeah. on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. So there are a lot of important things more than just the object itself. Mm-hmm. There, are, There's a lot of important stuff. Not if you're Andy. If you're, if you're Indiana Jones, it it's all about the Ark of the Covenant. And, and in defense of Indiana Jones in the 30s, 40s, 50s, mm-hmm. that's what archaeology was. It was just getting the thing and leaving. But now there's a lot more that goes into that, especially when you get into um, who deserves to have the rights to like keep it or hey, show it. Hey, we're British. Exam. We can have whatever yeah, we want. Well, what are you talking about? We own the whole world. Pharaohs, yeah. the body. Yeah, let's what? assume that. Yeah, he's ours. But there's a – and this is when you get really, really dicey. So – for the for the Parthenon mm-hmm. in Greece, I believe it's the Parthenon, they had this like beautiful, gorgeous fresco. Or not fresco, but uh relief. Mm-hmm. Like a carved a bow relief. relief. Yeah, what? I thought it was called a bow relief. A bow relief? Yeah, maybe not. Yeah. Whatever it was. But it was just like this gorgeous carved thing that was on the walls. Yes. So the British back in the day took half of that mm-hmm. and put it in their museum. Oh, I think that looked good right over here. Yeah, that looked good over there. And what's really interesting is the Gre- the Greeks want that back. They say that's our cultural heritage. We deserve that back. And the British actually say, you're not stable enough to have that back. We don't trust it that it will be safe if we give it back <laughs> to you. It's like if you have like a sibling who's like kind of a little bit of a wild child yeah. and you get like nice like nice things. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, you don't get to keep uh, the pocket watch because uh, you're just going to pawn it. Yeah, you know you're going to pawn a- it off. <laughs> He's like, no, I'm not, man. I gotta, I just, I gotta have it. You know, it's my my heritage. I need it. He's like, no, I don't trust. I don't trust that that's gonna. You happen. literally look like you're tweaking right now, Greece. Yeah, you're not getting it back. Yeah, and, and to be fair, I think it was World War One. The Parthenon was used as like um, ammo storage by the the Ottoman Empire. Mm-hmm. World War One. I, I said that right? Yeah, World War One. So it could have blown up at any time. So it might have been good that they took it. Who knows? <laughs> and so that's that's sort of the issue. And then, uh, for example, in Germany and Berlin. There are gates that used to – they have totally reconstructed uh, with all the pieces one of the gates to Babylon. Okay. I thought you were going to say they've completely restruct, uh, rebuilt the uh, Berlin Wall. No, we're not I was talking like, about kind of, that. That's kind yeah. of backwards. No, yeah. no, 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 no. Uh, hey, guys, wouldn't it be cool if we just built the wall yeah, again? Yeah, wouldn't that be awesome? Build that wall. No. Uh, so there was like the gates of Babylon. And so the issue is, well, does it – deserve to go back to where it originally was but then you look at isis blowing up yeah. temples and it's not very statues. safe down there yeah. yeah exactly so it's it's all messy mm-hmm. it's it's a really messy thing of like is this a is this cultural heritage belong to the entire world or just belong to the country of origin mm-hmm. so that's a lot of stuff to consider as an archaeologist nowadays back and, then and again, it was nothing like that let's just take it and put it in a museum exactly okay. and there's definitely merits to that mm-hmm. but at the same time it's a little destructive it's a little you know, it's yeah. not good. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So, oh, I also have something really funny to tell you. Episode three, I told Ryan about how every first day archaeology class, there is one person who comes in with a hat, the vest, possibly the whip, and they think they're Indiana Jones. They have the satchel. And he thought I was lying. Yeah. I'm going to give you one big middle finger, my friend, because I went to a... Uh, Basically a, a PhD recruitment weekend for uh-huh. a, a school. Oh, dear. And I was talking to some of my friends uh-huh. or some of the people I met there that were super nice. Okay. And I was talking to another cultural anthropologist. Mm-hmm. His name's John, super cool dude, friend of the show. Mm-hmm. Actually, please don't ever listen to this, John. Yeah, gosh. Anyways, I was talking to him and he said, yeah, what was really funny, people don't believe me, my first archaeology class... There was a guy dressed like Indiana Jones. And I said, John, you are lying to me right now. And he's like, no, dude, I swear. Like, they had the hat, the vest. Like, I thought they were going to pull the whip out of their bag. And I'm like, dude, same here. He's like, no, you're lying to me. I'm like, 
That's amazing. I am not John. That's incredible. So, do they think they're going to do that every day, or was I, it just like in the spirit of the first day? Like, <laughs> let me get in my let me get in my little outfit. I, I got to go to costume, like getting costume to go to class. I have no idea. The, yeah, he's going to walk in, and the professor's going to be like, "Yes, yeah. this guy right here. This is an archaeologist." Played, stand up in front of the class. Stand up. What's your name, Henry? Perfect. Stand up in front of the class. <laughs> Indiana, let's go. <laughs> So, yes, uh, it's not just me. That happens often, regularly, different places across the country. It's ridiculous. So, if you are listening to this and you would like to be an archaeologist one day, I'm telling you right now, I'm breaking your spirit. It's not going to happen that no, way. No, don't do that because if you're going to be an archaeologist and you want to be because Indiana Jones, you have to go and you have to be dressed up like Indiana Jones because there has to be those people. They have to You exist. know what? That's true. Don't don't snuff out that, that, that yeah. person yet. Yeah. Yeah. Whew. They have to exist. I almost, I almost took that away. I took that story away from future generations. Almost, I'm sorry. Selfish. I really am. Selfish. Uh, but yeah, real archaeology is just a lot of digging, and actually, like eighty to ninety percent of the time of a real archaeologist is in a basement dungeon processing all the stuff you mm-hmm. found, and it's really boring. Mm-hmm. But it's really important, really interesting. Thank you, archaeologists. Thanks I, for sponsoring this show. Yeah, thank you for sponsoring this all archaeologists. Mm-hmm. I very much this value archaeology. This has been an archaeologist-sponsored <laughs> podcast. Archaeologists, yeah. can you dig it? Yeah, and archaeologists are not paling. Fuck you, can you dig it? <laughs> hey, speaking of not God keeping... damn it. And speaking of, uh, you know, not keeping stories from future generations, yeah. what's this story that we're about to read? <laughs> it's called Four Times Indiana Jones Almost Found an Artifact and One Time He Did. Which, by the way... Is an actual trope for fanfic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What have you read this? Uh, I've I've seen things with that title. Yeah, it's um, a, it's a yeah. trope. It's a trope. So it's like four times, three times, five times. Mm-hmm. Someone did something or didn't do something, and one time they did or mm-hmm. didn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're actually reading two stories. That's the first one. Four times Indiana Jones almost found an artifact, and one time he did. The second one I'm very stoked on. It's called Tinseltown. Okay. It's a, it's shorter. All right. Is that yeah. also Indiana Jones? Yep. Cool. So two Anna Jones fix. Is it okay? I'm excited. It yeah. sounds interesting. It was the Tinseltown one. I couldn't have done just Tinseltown, mm-hmm. so I had to do another one. So okay, this is on archive. We don't want to shortchange our our, our no, our not fans. at all. Yeah. yeah, this is on archive of our own. It's written by Yasin Yashan, something like that. Summary: It's hard out there for an archaeologist, which you know sometimes it is. Yeah. So episode, or not episode, but scene one, the one of the times he doesn't find it. He held the stone up to his eyes. It took a week of hacking his way through the jungle to find this half-buried structure. Then another three weeks where he single-handedly shoveled it free from the encouraging encroaching hill to make a space in the interior corridor that was just big enough to wriggle through on his stomach. But finally, Indy held the jewel of Apotequil in his hands. It was big blue crystal. He, uh, he grinned. He had grinned that Indiana Jones grin. Oh yeah, he said to no one in particular. Let's see what they call mythological now. So he wraps it in a scarf, he tries to wriggle out of the tunnel, and then he feels something on his ankle. And He thought it was like a leaf, but he couldn't figure out what it was. Oh boy. So he started kicking violently, and he started struggling to get out of the little passage that he was in. That he had dug. Yeah, and when he popped out, there were two dozen monkeys surrounding him on branches. They were going through the backpack that he left behind that he couldn't bring in the tunnel with him. And he goes, no, get off! He said, making a big shooing motion. The one closest to him rose and started barking. Oh, fuck. (laughs) He rolled around, taking a quick step to pick up his bag when his scarf came undone, which held the jewel. He wasn't, yeah, he wasn't wearing the fashionable scarf at this point. The knot rubbed open during the struggle to exit the temple. It fell with a low thump and was immediately snatched up by one of the monkeys. Of course. Monkeys are so mischievous. Monkeys get a terrible rap. They really do. So mischievous. (laughs) He cursed and threw his hat to the ground damned monkeys mm-hmm. so that's one time he didn't find just, it just missed it yeah second story mm-hmm. he's nervously fidgeting with his tie scraping his shoes on the doormat ah dr jones welcome a tall man in his 30s has opened the door he's dressed incongruously in a gray dinner jacket and thick woolly jumper so indiana jones is going to a dinner party as uh, as, as dr dr jones. As doc- well this is actually before there's one part where he calls him dr jones and he mm-hmm. goes not yet that's uh, next week or, you know, in a couple of weeks. Oh, so this is like a flashback. Yeah, so this is before he's Dr. Dr. Jones. Sweet. And he goes, the real Dr. Jones is my father. And this is before his, his dad is missing. Yeah. We, for Obviously. some reason, is Sean Connery with a really thick accent. That's yes, my dad. Sean Connery. They never talk about that. Why does his dad no. have such a... And 
Oh, whatever. I don't know. It's a great movie. I'm not well, I mean, if you um, if you think if you talk to like first generation, second generation Americans, I've, I know plenty of people whose parents is had is, thick is that in this movie? I don't remember. His dad's like not American. No, he's. I thought he. I thought the whole thing was he's like from England, but just living in the U.S. Oh, didn't know that. No, really. No, I don't remember. I watched <laughs> the Last Crusade. Last Crusade was on USA, like like seven days out of the week and I used to watch it but I don't, I don't remember that do part. they have to explain that for you to kind of piece that together no I don't yeah, I don't, I don't. I always, that's always kind of what I figured it's true yeah but okay. I mean, I mean I've met people whose you know parents aren't from here or aren't from the US Alex I need everything have... spelled out I don't <laughs> read between the lines I don't put okay. any more th- I need it to be just explicit yes that's why I like explicit material yes okay so Indy walks into the dinner party mm-hmm and he talks to everybody's for a little bit, and then he excuses himself to the bathroom, and he is immediately running through the maze of the man's mansion, looking for. I'm going to butcher this. Skidbladnir. It's a legendary Viking ship that can fold up into a tiny ship, like almost like a piece of paper. Oh, because this is like from a, like a myth or something. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, um, and that's real. That's a real myth. That's it's cool. really cool. Who mm-hmm. wrote this? That they pulled that myth out and are using it. I, nice, yeah. I really love that idea. I've never heard of that. That yeah. sounds interesting. And it's a it's a Viking myth. And so he he just starts rummaging through the uh, the house looking for it, and he makes his way to a library, and he finds a ship in a bottle. Ugh. And it's Skidbladnir. Amazing. Or I'm sorry if I'm butchering that for the people that actually know how to pronounce it. And he grabs it and he touches it and he starts to unfold it a little bit because he doesn't believe that it's an actual ship. And it doesn't blow up, but he's like, this is real. This is a real thing. And I'll go to, um, let me see. The door to the four castles swings open at a curious poke and reveals a small room with yet another door. He's marveling at the lightness and detail, running his fingers over it in search of the magic spot when someone clears his throat behind him. He freezes. I see you found my wife's library, Mr. Landval says. When Indy turns around, he's standing close, an amused expression on his face. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Indy begins. I got a bit lost on the way back. Your father sent me a letter once talking about you, Landval continues, as if he hadn't heard Indy. His adventurous son, always going off to crawl around in some distant caves and follow legends. He steps closer still, taking the ship from Indy's unresisting hands. What do you think this is, Mr. Jones? Indy licks his lips. Skidbladnir, he says. Lancefall throws his head back and laughs. The ship of the gods in my library, he chuckles. No, watch closely. And Indy watches as he thumbs the bow of the ship and a portion of wood slides away to reveal a black stamp. Timber and Co. UK established 1863. Lansvall sets the ship back in Indy's hand and keep, uh, keeps his fingers closed over his palm. Now how adventurous are you, Mr. Jones? So the the point of that was that he slid a piece of the the, the ship off, and it had a tag on it from like a maker's mark. Yeah, yeah, like it was yeah. just it was a little souvenir or something. He thought Andy thought he found this he mythical found, thing, yeah. and it. I personally interpreted it as Lansvall put that mark on there to sure. make people not think of it course, was real. Yeah. And it really was. That's what I'd like I to mean, think. I mean, why else would Indiana Jones have reason to suspect, you know, exactly. that, that it's there? But I kind of like the idea of an early Indiana Jones, like, yeah. really, really thinking everything's mythical. That's why, like, just while you're reading that, I'm like, I would totally watch, like, a Netflix series of, like, young Indiana Jones adventures. You've never watched young Indiana Jones? Oh, is that a cartoon? No, it's a live-action real thing. No, I've never seen that. River Phoenix. Looks like somebody already... Oh, River. Was he, he in it? He was in the second half. The first half was Indiana Jones is like a 10-year-old. And he would he would go to like Africa and go on these crazy adventures with his dad. Huh. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that They're existed. really good, really dense. They don't have the same soul as the original movies. I mean, yeah, they're TV shows. They're exactly. Movies. And they're long-form TV mm-hmm. shows. But I, I've watched them. I've, I like them. Mm-hmm. They're, they're entertaining. They're fun. Uh, but they're not... They're definitely not the same level of entertainment right. as... Well, I mean, yeah. Yeah, they're a lot more content-based in the shows. Yeah, they, they yeah. save his big adventures for the silver screen. Yeah, for the silver screen. Yeah. yeah. Which, to. by the way, I do, um, just to interrupt the story, because we did finish the second time he didn't find. Mm-hmm. Do you know how Indiana Jones kind of came about? So George Lucas, who I'm going to make the argument right now, is probably the biggest fanfic writer ever. And I, I, can, I can definitely elaborate on that. Okay. But George Lucas and Steven Spielberg were big, big fans of early pulp magazines and early movies of adventure of mm-hmm. this sort of thing kind of like tarzan and things like that yeah stuff yeah. like that and or you know like 
not Creature of the Black Lagoon, but stuff like that, where mm-hmm. they would go to this far-off place in the middle of the jungle and find this temple, mm-hmm. and, like, things would happen. So Indiana Jones. Yeah. Indiana Jones. And they they both loved history. They loved fighting Nazis. Like, that concept from the 30s, mm-hmm. when people would go and fight Nazis. Uh, like, and, like, nostalgia. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They were in the middle of the Cold War, too, so they have exactly. seen a lot of that with Russia. I think, I think you could definitely liken it to the way that kids nowadays, people our age, not kids, but, you know, I guess we're kids these early days, adults, yeah. kids these days, didn't live through the 80s, but romanticized the 80s. Mm-hmm. Like Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone loves Stranger Things. They love the retro. They love the whatever, but no one lived through the 80s. Exactly. And so... In, we're reminiscing over something that we were never actually Exactly. Something that was romanticized that we have fond memories of because we saw it after the fact. We just and saw I, the idealized version. Exactly. And so I think that's somewhat similar to what happened with Indiana Jones. Sure. Where they... they they love these old movies. They love these adventure, this pulp, this this noir kind of feel yeah. to it. Sure, and because it is very noir, it's very pulp. Yeah, um, they kind of popularized it to where it's more than that. But that's at its root what Indiana Jones is. Yeah, and they said, well, we'll just do our own, and that's why it's a Steven Spielberg, George Lucas, mm-hmm. uh, because they you know, they kind of combined it, like they, Stevie and George, yeah, joint. Stevie and George, yeah. yeah. And then Harrison Ford wasn't even going to be indie. Is yeah. that, was he? Was he? I'm trying to think. Was he not going to be indie, or was he not going to be Han Solo? Well, he was. He was Han Solo first. Okay, so then he wasn't going to be indie, yeah. and George didn't want him to be Indiana Jones. And he's they, just too done. He's good. too too, too damn good, good dude. Too he's good. such a good actor. So uh, he was both Han mm-hmm. Solo and Indiana Jones. So yes, if, if anyone's just realizing yeah, that he, for the yeah, first they time, they're the same person. I hate to break it to there, you. There is actually, I think it's Marvel canon or one of the Marvel one-offs where Han Solo, or maybe it was a fanfic. Oh, I know what you're you talking about. He he crash lands uh, in he he and Chewie go through a wormhole. They crash on this planet with woods, mm-hmm. uh, and he leaves Chewie there to man the Millennium Falcon. He becomes Indiana Jones, and Chewie becomes Sasquatch. Yeah, yeah. Whatever that is. What is it? What is that? A fanfic? Is I don't a Marvel know. Thing? I hope it's this world. I hope it's yeah, this actual this world. This real world. world. <laughs> yeah. But yes, that's that's sort of the origin of Indiana Jones. It's really fun. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's adventurous. It's action-y. It's, yeah. it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. The reason I said George Lucas is, I believe, one of the best fan fiction writers of all time. Okay. Is, maybe it's not fan fiction, but he, especially for Star Wars, because, you know, that was his first big hit. Yes. That was his first big thing. Yes. That was drawn on so many influences. Right. Like, yeah, we've, thought, so we've, we've talked about yeah, it. On we, the yeah, show, we've talked course, about yeah. it, but it's just Joseph Campbell, the hero's journey. Mm-hmm. He literally took the hero's journey and wrote a story based off of that. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, the hero's journey is something that a uh, what was he a professor of what? I don't even remember. Whatever he was a professor of uh, storytelling, philosophy, literature, something like that. Math, math, probably. But he wrote a thing called the Hero's Journey, which is basically a twelve-step process of most epic tales. And he wrote it on golden plates that no one can read no one except can read for except him. him and the angel who gave them to him. Because his name is Joseph, right? Yes. Yeah. Joseph Campbell. Joseph, Joseph Campbell. Smith. Yeah. So he, George Lucas, took that, and then he was a big fan of old samurai movies. Mm-hmm. And that's why they have the the swords. He was a big fan of Flash Gordon and all of the pulp serials, which is with why uh, Queen fiction. is in the movie. Exactly. Yeah. So Freddie Mercury is actually R two D two. That would be amazing. Don't even tease. He that. just kind of yeah. uh, unfurls. Beep, boop, boop. <laughs> yeah. Beep boop. Beep beep boop. Beep beep boop boop. Beep beep boop boop. Beep beep boop boop. Beep beep boop boop. Oh man, that makes me sad. I wish that was a thing. <laughs> Someone write that one. Okay. Next one. He's been clambering through the dig site for four straight weeks now, trailed by a tall blonde who's introduced himself as Sven Soldberg from Tulane University. (laughs) My name is Sven. I'm from Louisiana. I I think it's a different Tulane. I am Louisiana. Yes. He's dirty and sweating, and it hasn't rained once since they arrived at this forsaken piece of Mexican coastline with suspiciously detailed directions on the location of a buried temple. Yeah, I, I, this was on the back of a gumbo recipe that I found in uh, New Orleans. <laughs> yes, this is not a trap at all, Mr. Jones. <laughs> no, Mr. Jones. So they find the entrance to the temple. Uh, Indy gauges the distance to the chamber entrance and uncoils his whip. Reckless, he can hear his father say, A mockery of proper archaeological procedure, endangering your life, he throws the whip. 
The tip snaps around an overhead beam, coiling itself tightly. He tugs, and it doesn't waver. Just cause. What? Just cause. Yeah. That's how it goes. Eyes focused on the opening that might hold the key to his search. Was George Lucas also inspired by Spider-Man when he wrote some of this? Cause I wouldn't be surprised, oh, that, that video game, that like a yeah. Atari video game where you like swing through the jungle. Yeah. The beam breaks the moment his feet hover over the ground, crashing down behind him. So he whips to the other side. Are you all right, Dr. Jones? Sven shouts. Yeah, yeah, he says absently. He cuts down a bit of vegetation covering the entrance. Damn it. The entrance is covered in dirt and dust and leads off into a tunnel. So they realize they have to start digging through the tunnel. By evening, they've uncovered the chamber and one more adjacent room, bringing the total up to nearly 900 square feet uncovered and neatly drawn up on a site map. Exhausted, they leave their tools and crawl back into the tent. They go to sleep, and he feels something cold touch his naked feet and sits up quickly. Outside, it's pouring. The water has crept into the tent. They've left open in deference to the heat and is surrounding their bedrolls. Mm-hmm. He quickly shakes Sven. Uh, he doesn't stop to see if Sven wakes up. He dashes to the excavation site and swears at what he finds. The markings, strings have all been swallowed by the mud. So, like, when you're doing caves and stuff, you'll... Yeah, you, you mark know, it out. Yeah. Mark out the area you're going to actually... Yeah. Their uh, unearthed chambers are drowning in it, every single one of them filling back up Oof. with earth they've laboriously shoveled to the side. He scrambles a few feet ahead and swipes up his hat, which had been slowly sinking. Shit, he says without breaking a stride. God damn it. He takes two more stumbling steps, and his worst fears are confirmed. The North American monsoon has ruined their carefully drawn map. The paper has soaked through, and the ink has dissolved. Brown splotches marring spots where they'd marked down hallways and entrances, four weeks of work, undone in a single night. He curses loudly and extensively while Sven is collecting their tools and belongings. He curses all the way to the nearest village where they arrive soaked and empty-handed. So that's the end of the third one. So I like I just like this because I like the idea of most of the time he's not on a grand adventure yeah, finding yeah. what he was pursuing. He's actually doing some archaeological work. He's doing work. some yeah. ar- real archaeological work. He's trying and just doesn't work. Yeah, like just he just keeps failing. Yeah. yeah. So here's a fourth one. It's Theft. okay, Mr. Jones. It's okay. We'll get Mr. that next Jones. time. Yeah. Theft from private collector prevented at the last minute. During the reopening gala of the Musée de Louvre, an unknown man trespassed onto the grounds of famous private collector Dr. Remy Ballou and attempted to steal a valuable artifact. He escaped before he could be apprehended. Dr. Ballou had purchased the mansion in 1951 and moved his extensive collection from his previous home in the Netherlands. Our source tells us the object in question is a Medean mask said to belong to the ancient king Ferrates. It was purchased by Dr. Ballou from a Greek collector and briefly lent to the Musée de Louvre for ex- uh, exhibition in 1922. So then they describe, uh, he is described, the guy who took the thing, they mm-hmm. talked to Dr. Ballou, he is described as a man in his late 40s wearing a leather jacket and a fedora. From well. the few words he spoke to the personnel chasing him, he is believed to be an American. The prefect of police of Paris has issued a statement saying the number of police forces protecting the gala at the Musée de Louvre would be increased. Indy slouched in his seat and put his hat between his feet. The security personnel had indeed been excellent. They'd also numbered far more than he'd planned for. He fingered a tear in his shirt, evidence of a bullet that had come a bit too close and downed his glass of scotch. Oh, can you believe that? An air hostess's voice rang out. She was leaning against the opposite seat and pointing at the paper in his hand. Panicked, he looked down. They really were crazy. Nazis sought Holy Grail, proclaimed a headline just below the article about the theft. Crazy, sure, he said, and flashed her a smile. He smi- uh, she smiled back a little. Did you have fun in Paris, sir? she asked. I'm afraid it was very boring, he replied. You wouldn't happen to know a good bar in New York City, would you? So, he was the mm-hmm. the thief. And yeah. then... I like how he, like, he loves that hat and Jack. He just It's such a good look on yeah. him. He's like, I look so good in this. Even when I'm committing a theft, I'm not going to change I'm not. Yeah, everyone knows this is what I wear. <laughs> he was wearing wear. a... Oh, yeah, let me, he was wearing a hat and yeah. a brown jeep. Yeah, he was know, indie. We know who it was. Yeah, we know who that guy and was. And then he's like on the lamb and he's still wearing the hat. Oh, of course. <laughs> this, oh, this is just... A lot of people wear this hat in Paris. Yeah, it's a very common hat. Of course. Yeah, don't, don't. Yeah. So the the plus one where he actually does find it, mm-hmm. he gets the message while he's teaching class, and he reads a letter, and it's it's a little smudged, and ten minutes later he's on the phone with Brody. How do you get into China these days? So Brody does everything he can to help. They go from New York. It's a few long hours to the Philippines via plane. Yep, it's a scene of the yeah. plane flying across the globe. Yeah, yeah. the iconic, it's be. iconic Indiana Jones scene. 
Then he, one week on a military base and in miserable conditions. He thinks his lucky stars, he's too old to fight in this war. Then he's off on a ship carrying specialists to Taiwan, dozing in a truck up the coast. Wait, I'm sorry, what war is he referring to? The Korean War? Where, where do they land? Uh, I believe it would be the Korean War, yeah. So this is like the 50s. Yeah. Okay. yeah I think he's a little bit older at this point. Then he's on a smaller ship headed to the, the mainland. So he gets to China. And he's basically told to hide when they're like getting into China, so people don't see that there's an American. Right. Yep. Then he hops. Everyone on tries to sell him a Huawei phone. <laughs> basically. Yeah. Come take this. Off. Do some, uh, some. Send some emails to Hillary yeah, Clinton on, on this on. thing. Yeah. yeah. So he hops on a train when he gets into China. And he falls back asleep, and then he arrives in Runan. The train has emptied out, and he's the last passenger. There's a boy waiting on the platform, and for a second, he's thrown back into his own memories. Dr. Jones, the boy asks. Indy nods. So he remembers Short Round? Mm Isn't that his name? So he remembers Short Round. Do you know that uh, Temple of Doom is actually a prequel? Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's the first story, uh, chronologically. Yeah, that was was good. good choice. Yeah, I thought it was neat. So so they say, Dr. Jones, and he nods, uh, yes, he coughs. Mr. Wan is waiting at the university. I will take you there. It turns out to be a brief walk, and before he knows it, Indy is standing in front of a man he saw half a lifetime ago. Shorty, he grins, and the man says, Indy! And they're hugging. Oh, that's nice. Short Round isn't short anymore. He fits neatly under Indy's chin, all lanky and grown up. They separate a bit awkwardly, as if suddenly aware that they haven't seen each other in three decades. You came, Shorty Marbles, and you came quickly, too. You said the magic word, Andy Counters. Treasure, they both say. Don't laugh. This isn't sexual. This is wholesome. This is nice. It's just how it was written. It is nice. It's very nice. It, it, not all of it has to be smut. Not all of it does. Just most of it. Hey, but you not all picked of it. it, man. I don't know. You're a bit of a wild card. I'm a wild card with the smut, but I wouldn't do that to Indiana Jones. I've already seen the smut I would part. do that to Indiana well, Jones. I just... <sighs> the fourth one did so much to the series. I don't want yeah, to ruin let, it. It needs, it needs, it needs some uh, yeah. R and R. So short round and Indy go off and do their own thing. They talk a little bit about what they're looking at, and then Shorty sort of gives him the background of the treasure. Mm-hmm. So he goes, "If and I'm going to butcher all these these words that I don't know how to pronounce. Go for so it. I'm sorry. Just power through. Uh, Ganjing and Moye. It's not a well known story. Have you read it? I didn't have the time, Indy says. I got on a plane, and as soon as, as soon as I got your letter. Well, the story goes that in the spring and autumn period, King Helu told Gan Jiang and Mo Ye to forge two swords for him. It took them three years, but finally they made two swords and named them Gan Jian and Mo Ye. But Gan Jiang knew the king would be angry that it took them so long. So he hid the Gan Jiang sword and told his pregnant wife to give it to his son. He looks at Indy as if to make sure he's paying attention, and Indy nods. Bit of a classic, he says. Slowly but surely, they're leaving the town, storied houses and sidewalks giving way to lower buildings and fields. So they're just kind of mm-hmm. leaving town, mm-hmm. talking about what they're looking for. Then he took Moye to the King of Chu, Shorty continues. The king was so angry at the delay and that he was only receiving one of the swords that he cut off Gang Jing's head with it. Moye gave birth to a son named Chi. And when he was old enough, he was given his father's sword. The king, who still wanted the second sword, put a price on his head. Mm-hmm. Shorty pauses. They've cleared the town now, following the narrow road uphill into the mountains. Indy takes the opportunity to ask, where are we going? I've rented a place, Shorty says. We can work out our plan there. Anyway, one day... Oh, the... this sounds... I don't want Short Round to be bad. Yeah. This seems like it's going bad. Anyway, one day the boy met a stranger on the road. He told the man his story, and the man said, I am an assassin sent by the king. Give me your head and your sword, and I will seek revenge on your behalf. So the boy cut his throat with Gang Qian. He cut his own throat, interrupts. Shorty shrugs. He was being hunted, after all. Anyway, the assassin took the head to the king, who was delighted. He ordered it to be boiled in a cauldron. When the head still had not boiled after three days, the assassin said, You must step closer and stare back at it. Ha! Indy interjects. Yes, Shorty grins. When the king bent over the cauldron, the assassin used the sword to behead him, and the head fell into the cauldron. Then he cut off his own head, and it fell into the cauldron too, and the flesh on all three boiled away until the king's guards could not tell which had belonged to the king itself. They buried all three heads together in the tomb of three kings with the swords. As the story comes to an end, so does their car ride. Shorty breaks in front of a small house by the side of the road. There's a lot of rolling heads in that story, Indy says, grabbing his bag and stepping out of the car. I'm not sure I like it. 
which kind of sounds like an Indiana Jones thing to say. Mm -hmm. And then Shorty says, let's find the tomb first and worry later, all right? The story says the grave is in Yichun County in North Renan. Shorty unlocks the door and ushers him inside. And inside there's chaos, boxes overflowing with documents, and they're stacked against large tables, buried in more papers. There's maps pinned to walls. Indy quirks an eyebrow. You've been hard at work. So Shorty informs him that he's been researching all this for about four months now. And then they go over everything, and Indy, you know, they have a moment where they he briefs him a little bit better yeah, with all the information. Sure. And Indy just says, it doesn't exist. And Shorty says, it does. There are drawings of the tomb by contemporaries. And Indy says, sure, but there's no Yishun in Runen anymore, and it's never been there. It must be, Shorty stares at the map of the evidence. Nor the Runen, the story says. Look, Indy sorts through the stack of papers in front of him until he comes to a rough drawing. This is a pyramid. There's no way it's been overlooked this long. Shorty cocks his head. Our pyramids don't look like that. They're flatter with the platform. He freezes and jumps. Actually, hold on. I've got it right here. So he watches a uh, short round dig through a bunch of boxes, and eventually he finds a picture. What do you mean their temples don't look like that? Because a pyramid is just like an actual shape. Well, like yeah. Our pyramids don't look like that's like saying our triangles don't look like that. They're round. No, because a, a pyramid is like a type of temple. It's just a, a this, it's the easiest way to stack. I thought a pyramid was just another word for like a triangular prism. I mean, it is. It is, okay. but then it, as far as, like, temples go, it's a shape of a temple. So there are pyramids in Mexico that don't look the same as the pyramids in Egypt. Right. They're more yeah. stepped, but I thought yeah. they still maintain the basic form. They do, yeah, okay. but no, the ones in China look like pyramids, too. Right. There's a there's a whole... It's not a, it's not a pyramid, it's a tomb, because mm -hmm. they had very elaborate tombs for their kings. Mm -hmm. There's one that has, like, a miniature city with um it's got like a it's rivers a, of mercury oh and i'm trying no yeah for real and i'm trying to remember the urban developer for that community really thought that you know they, yeah they messed up yeah, yeah. Dude, mercury is the next big it's F the thing. next big thing people are gonna love it totally safe I'll mercury drink it right now gondola runs yeah. it's great but they have they have this one feature on it where i can't remember how they do it but it um they basically has like twinkling stars on the ceiling of the temple, mm -hmm. and they haven't cracked into it because they think that if they do, they'll all die from like yeah, mercury poisoning. Probably, but they've done scans of the ground where they think it is, and they've found traces of mercury down there. Mm -hmm. So they, uh, we know where the, where that is. It's been described in great detail. We just haven't opened it yet, mm -hmm. and they probably never yeah, it's will. Probably in such good condition. They've got probably you know like a Forever Twenty One down there. I believe nice it. Food court. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's gonna be awesome. Yeah. But yeah, so then they go, they go, and they find different places where it could be. He shows them hills, and a lot of the Chinese pyramids have basically turned into hills. They've kind of overgrown, not all of them, but a lot of them for sure. Because like I said, they're, the Chinese pyramid culture is a little different than what we're used to. And so they said we'll go tomorrow. Shorty teases, "Oh, you have to get some sleep, Grandpa." And Indy says, "Grandpa's going to make you you one head shorter, kid." And he ruffles Shorty's hair. And they say, all right, tomorrow. So they say they're going to, they're going to, they're, you know, they're going to get some shut eye. Yeah. Get some shut eye. They're going to start in the morning. So uh -huh. morning comes mm -hmm. and they get in their truck with their tools and they are on their way. So it, you know, it's about one or two hours. They go back and forth. They kind of debate a little bit more about where it is. Right. They, they're going to a new part. It's a Luhi, Lauhi. Uh -huh. So they go to Lauhi. They go through all the mountains. They just, you know, Chit chat a bunch, right? They're, they're getting caught up. They, they haven't yeah. seen each other in such a long time. And, yeah, and he's got to know what he's walking into. Exactly. And there's a lot of different in in the fic. There's a lot of like um, problem solving that's going on while they're driving, where they're like, "Oh, well, maybe it'd be over here." Yeah, this let's, this, let's this head author east, definitely let's head west. like you know not only if this is a real myth, like has mm -hmm. been looking up real myths and, yeah. and finding new ways to do it, but they're also you know piecing it together mm -hmm. in a really smart way. Yeah. So they found they find a mound mm -hmm. and they decide they're going to start digging in it. And so they start digging, and they have to decide what side they want to start on, because they, they would guess that it would be east or west, where the entrance would be. True. And so Short Round just starts swinging the axe like crazy, and he hits an opening with a wet splat and disappears. So Indy yells, Shorty, you okay? And he throws a shovel to the ground, bends down to peer into the darkness. A moment passes, then a light flickers, Shorty's flashlight. Mm-hmm. So he goes, I'm all right, come down here, it's... And then Shorty's voice breaks off abruptly, uh -oh. and Indy hastens to climb down. Earth clings to his jacket and trousers. Once he's inside the corridor, he straightens and sees what must have taken Shorty's breath away. In front of them, the corridor widens into an open room. The beam of Shorty's light dissolves before it reaches the opposite wall. But in between, it glints on hundreds of small golden figurines. Bigger human figures line a wide corridor. 
The light plays over delicately, delicately carved wooden faces and colorful silk faded with age. Nice indie murmurs. So they kind of look at it, they marvel on it, and then they... That was really beautifully written. Oh, absolutely. That was beautiful. Yeah, this is... I really like this fic. This is I'm beautifully gonna, I, And I like the spirit of it. I will say, just knowing what I know about Chinese archaeology, which is not much, mm-hmm. I'm cringing a little bit. Because China is very famous for these terracotta soldiers. Do you know yeah, what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, the, all the little uh, statues. No, they're life-size. They're not little. Oh, okay. But there's like hundreds of them. There's thousands. hundreds of thousands yeah. of them. There are that many. And their belief is that if they were buried with the terracotta soldiers, it would be an army in the afterlife. Yeah, protect them. Yeah. So the thing is, the terracotta soldiers are actually painted. Are they? Have you ever seen a painted terracotta soldier? No, I've only, I've only seen them like, like you know. The painting technique stone, that yeah. they used when exposed to air, the paint fades away oh so i'm that's why i'm cringing a little bit because i'm just imagining hundreds of thousands of terracotta warriors all slowly losing their color right now and they have they have gorgeous colors of like purple and they've done this extensive archaeology work trying Mm -hmm. to figure out how they got that shade of purple Mm because it was i think i think it was the terracotta purple they they, they, before prince no one really knew what purple was before Prince, oh yeah, you know, yeah, purple rain. Yeah. You're just like, you're like, what is purple? Yeah. How do these how do these people in China thousands of years yeah, ago Grimace, know about Grimace Prince? was just translucent? Yeah. Yeah. When you look at the the ceiling, the, the the ceiling of the temple, there's the big symbol for Prince mm-hmm. just cut into it. And you're like, whoa, absolutely, it's crazy. Yeah. So they walk in a little bit and they reach a doorway that had not been visible from their starting point. It's so narrow they have to walk single file through it and into the corridor that leads further into the earth. They've taken ten, step, 10 steps when something beneath Indy's foot clicks. He looks down. There's a gap between the stone he's partially standing on Uh-oh. and the rest of the floor. Instinctively, he throws himself to the ground and yanks Shorty down by the collar of his shirt. Above their heads, two blades swing from the wall nice. and swing in a horizontal circle where moments before their necks had been. Fuck. Indy curses. So Shorty says, how do you know? And Indy's like, I've seen this one before. Like, Come on. I've done this enough. Been around the block. Yeah, what? He's been around the block. Yeah, a he's few been around times. the block. He's stepped on the block a few times. I mean, how would you like? I feel like that's a mistake you can only make once. Yeah. So, like, how does Indiana Jones like the first time he encountered it? How did he know to duck? To duck? Yeah. He probably heard the click, or he had someone go before him, and he heard the click, and then they he saw their head roll, and he was like, <laughs> "Oh, this isn't good." Wow! Imagine all the trauma that Indy's experienced. <laughs> yeah. the people have just been dying left and right. Yeah. that's probably what happened to Sven. Mm-hmm. Where's Sven now? Where's Sven? Yeah, Ooh. I'm back in in Louisiana's raging Cajun. <laughs> the raging Cajun Sven. Yeah, and I think that's interesting because a lot of tombs obviously aren't booby trapped. That is obviously a misconception, right? But I think where that started from is there was this legend... Of the Hidden my, Temple. Of, a, of the Hidden Temple. That's a different legend. But there was a legend story, and I'm not entirely sure the authenticity of the, the legend of the story, but it's that whoever discovered King Tut's tomb would... Be cursed, right? Be cursed. Yeah. And the man who found King Tut's tomb, perfectly preserved. Have you ever seen the pictures of it? Mm-hmm. The knot was still tied around the door. It's awesome. To the entrance of the temple, That's which amazing. is amazing. Uh, he died of a fever, like, two weeks after he found it. And so they... You they, don't think it was any of the things that he was exposed to when he went from England to uh, Egypt and, like, didn't wash his hands or take a bath ever? That was probably it. No, it was the curse. They were trying to say it was a curse. They were trying to say, you know, that it was something awful. And hindsight, now that they're looking back at the tomb of King Tut, they have... Uh, I, I'm not an Egyptologist. I believe it's Queen Nefertiti. They've never found her tomb. Mm-hmm. They think that King Tut's tomb is actually the very first chamber of hers because his tomb is considerably small compared to most. Right. Because uh, he was a boy king and he died very young. Mm-hmm. So the the original thought process was they didn't have enough time to carve it. Right. Now the thought process is they just took another tomb and they covered up the walls to all the other entrances and it was just the one tomb for him. They like took the guest room and yeah. were like, let's just block off the rest yeah. of it and kind of make it his own. Give him his own entrance mm-hmm. so he yeah. can come and go as he pleases. Exactly. But yeah, uh, yeah just yeah. use the space we have. And now the crazy thing is there's actually a, I believe it's like a mold, which is like lining the walls and destroying all the glyphs. <laughs> they didn't close the door behind we, them? We ruined things, dude. It's whatever. They live in a, they're grown up, you know, raised in a barn. Yeah, <laughs> basically. The burial chamber is round. In the middle stand three large coffins decorated with ornate engravings, but their eyes are immediately drawn to the table in front of them. It's a rough slab of metal with two indentations, perfectly shaped for two swords that shine in the light of their lamps. Reverently, Shorty steps closer. Careful, Indy says. There could be more traps. 
Not inside the burial chamber itself, Shorty waves him off. He grasps one of the fam- one of the swords firmly, and Indy moves to his side to take the other. The moment his hand touches the hilt, it's as if he's stepped outside of his own body. Oh, nice. He watches himself unsheath the sword and discard it, his arm swinging in perfect cor- curve toward Shorty. His friend moves to block the blow and shove him back. Shorty's eyes are distant, unfocused, his feet planted firmly. He swings wildly at Indy, knocking uh, him back into a coffin. Indy can't feel the sword in his hand or the stone beneath him. His body parries without conscious thought. They trade blows with a skill that is not their own, at times fighting on the ground of the chamber, at times using the coffins to their advantage. Finally, This Shorty... is like that fight from uh, Pirates of the Caribbean yeah. 1. I just picture that. Oh, that's such a good fight. Amazing fight. Finally, the, it's the one in the, the treasure room, right? When Barbosa's... No, I'm talking about when they first meet. It's in the, the, smith, the blacksmith oh, shop. Oh, that's awesome. Will Great and, fight. Uh, yeah, Great Jack movie. Sparrow. They trade blows. Oh, wait. Uh, so finally, Shorty has trapped Indy against the chamber wall. The blades lock. Their bodies caught in an, all, in an involuntary struggle. Shorty jerks his arm, and with a loud clangy, clanging, Indy's sword slides from his grasp and uh-oh, falls to the ground. Uh-oh. Abruptly, air rushes back into his body. His arms hurt from the force of the blows, and he's run out of breath. He stumbles to the side, out of Shorty's reach. The flashlight he dropped when he took up the sword lies at his feet, and he picks it up now and directs the beam at his friend's eyes. Blinded, Shorty raises his arms to shield himself, and Indy kicks at his hand, knocking the sword from his grasp. It clatters to the ground somewhere in the darkness. Indiana Jones is really good at fighting sword fighters. Oh, yeah. Either he shoots them, or he throws sand at their eyes, or he uses a flashlight. So, panting, they face each other. Indy is the first to speak. No traps, eh? Shorty makes a face. It wasn't technically. Yeah, yeah, come on. Let's get these covered and outside. They use their jackets to wrap the swords up, taking care to hold them by the blade. The mood on the walk back to the surface is oddly subdued. Outside, the sun stands high in the sky, and the air is clear. Thank you, Indy, Shorty says. He's looking back at the tomb. Indy puts a hand on his shoulder. Anytime. Oh, that's nice. So that's the end of that one. Now that we've completely destroyed all the terracotta soldiers. Yeah. But we got the we got the crazy murder swords. Yeah, we got the murder swords that are cursed, <laughs> and we have mercury poisoning, and we destroyed all this other evidence. But that's, that's what the 50s is all about. Yeah, that's what the 50s is all about. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. imperialism at its finest. Exactly. So what do you think about that? Good. It was yeah. really good. Like I said, I mean, it's, it's a lot it, of fun. It made me think, like, I'd love to see that as a Netflix show. Oh, yeah. It already existed. Yeah. So I mean, it was on Netflix. I don't know if it still is. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, this this person should write it. It should have a revival. I think there's an audience for Absolutely. that. Absolutely. I, I just love the idea of what Indiana Jones can be on mm-hmm. top of what it already is. Mm-hmm. It's already fantastic. Mm-hmm. I just love all the stuff that it could be. And yeah. the only reason that I wouldn't like it is because it's 100% leading to, like, public misconceptions about what's going on. Mm-hmm. But well, I mean, it's if you, fun. Had a, if, you had awesome. a, if you had more time with like a yeah. ten episode season, exactly. you, you could, could kind of get into it. More. Yeah, and, and in fact, I like, want three full episodes of Indiana Jones sitting at a library. <laughs> That's basically what it is. They're sitting in his lab, just processing stuff, like mm-hmm. adding tags, taking pictures, and stuff. Uh, there are actually archaeologists today that don't process a full site mm-hmm. because we understand that we don't have the full technology that we might want one day pass on it for now exactly so they'll they'll excavate half a site mm-hmm. with the current technology that we have and then in 10 20 30 years when we have better technology let someone go back and do right, the rest right, right. it's like when i go to a restaurant and i get a club sandwich i eat half of it yeah and i get a bag to Save go a little bit for future Ryan. for later for yeah. future so that was the that was the first one. Uh-huh. The four times he did he didn't find one. The one time he did. The mm-hmm. second one is super quick. Okay. Um, and this one I will I won't read the full thing because honestly I am going to recommend that you just go on archive or unread it yourself. Sure. But it's called Tinseltown, written by Missy. It's Indiana Jones fic. And so basically what it is is Indiana Jones is at a meeting and he's with Marion, his wife, girlfriend, baby mama, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. her. There's a whole pitch that's given to him, and finally he says, I'll do it. The pitch is... They want to make a movie about his adventures? They want to make a movie about his life. I know. As soon as you said Tinseltown was the title in the beginning, that's such a great idea. I'm not going to lie to you. If if this was Indiana Jones 5, uh-huh. I'm right there. Like, I think Indiana Jones 5, on the whole, is already a terrible idea, uh-huh. but it's happening. Right. If this was Indiana Jones 5, I would watch it. What, the idea of making an Indiana Jones movie? Yeah. And they go, like, on site to, like, yeah. Arabia, and they find, like, some artifact so while the, they're shooting it? Yeah, so the thing is, the actor, Jasper Depew, is going to shadow Indy oh. for a day. Oh, great. So he's, he's going to follow him around, get his mannerisms, find out what his life is That's like awesome. so he can do the movie. That's incredible. And he basically... 
uh, like he's boring because he's he's teaching he's in the library and at one point jasper says something along the lines of like this is really boring mm-hmm. and indy says i don't really care like this is not boring yeah. this is this is my life like this is what i like and it's it's really funny too because there's this one point where he before jasper comes in shadows where he's talking to marion and he's like why did i do this She's like, I don't know. You're the one that, you know, you're the one that agreed to it. And there's a quote where she goes, it's not really you. Think of it that way, she suggested. It's a fake character, a version of you written large. Just be yourself and you'll probably follow your lead. And he goes, that sounds sick, but I'll roll with it. Mm-hmm. So I like, I I would love this if this was Indiana Jones 5. So if, do, is that the entire fanfic right there? No, 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 no. So they, Jasper starts following him around. Mm-hmm. He He does everything. He... He, you know, is sitting in the class and he asks more questions than the students does do because he wants to learn about Indy. Exactly. And he's just not giving, like, Indy's not giving Jasper what he wants. And at one point, Jasper says, so are we going to meet any famous smugglers today? And Indiana Jones goes, not if I can help it. And he goes, really? No no war criminals? No jealous rival archaeologists who want to kidnap your kid and take your girl? And he goes, the last guy that tried to take Marion ended up with a broken nose and two black eyes, he said, sounding weary. And the only thing I'm planning on doing tonight is seeing my wife, having a decent dinner, and grading a bunch of finals. He wanted to, like, apologize to the kid, but, or, you know, for not, produ- as it says, producing a couple of power-mad headhunters out of the blue. Mm-hmm. But the funny thing is, Jasper accompanies them to dinner, because mm-hmm. he wants to know everything about Indy's life. Yeah, yeah. And what was a normal dinner develops into a robbery, and the three men run, uh, and the three of them running after a couple of guys who were wearing ski masks. When Marion tackled one and, and Indiana pinned the other, they immediately clammed up. After a brief chat with the police, Indiana pieced together their problem. It seemed that there was a spy ring at the university who planned to transport codes and ancient artifacts. So two days later, he and Jasper were hanging off of a mountain, trying to hold on by the tips of their fingers, halted temporarily in pursuit, thanks to lousy timing and a hairpin curve in the road. I thought you said your life was boring, Jasper cried. This is boring, Indiana replied lightly, as Marion rounded the corner in a jeep to save both of their asses. That's it. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I, just, I thought it was neat. that yeah. the, That's a good way to frame like a, 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 a new movie or a yeah. story about it. Yeah. Yeah. So Tinseltown is, like I said, it's a lot quicker, mm-hmm. a lot shorter. But I, I definitely recommend everyone go read that if they're interested. Because I just it's fun. Mm-hmm. It's it's a great way to frame a new indie movie, honestly. Yeah. I would love that. Dang. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's such a good idea. I've, you got to give somebody a chance. Like, I mean, after Indiana Jones 4, like, let let the people write I, Indiana let's, Jones Yeah, 5. take some ideas from the public. Just, like, read through these or something. <laughs> please. please. Hey, George, we got this. Yeah. Let us handle it. You did a great job yeah. creating it. Please let us take it from here. I, if you... Oh, and another reason why I think George Lucas is almost a fanfic writer is because to him, his products aren't finished when they're released he can go back 30 years later and change them which is really obnoxious right yeah like You're, uh like you can make hagrid whatever you want yeah he can be hergrid yep no but i mean the the original release of star wars is not the one you can buy on blu-ray today oh yeah they're totally to, different you movies. have to buy the uh yeah. the one with all the i kind of hate that but yeah i do too he did it you know yeah. good for him yeah just reminds me of the south park episode where they're literally seen raping Indiana Jones. Well, it's also like you said um, how like archaeologists now will come to the same like mm, let's hold off until we yeah. have better technology. George didn't hold off but now he has better technology so this is what he wanted to do the whole time. Which yeah. is put you know like weird creatures dancing around in the background in a full musical number in Return yes. of the Jedi. I literally cannot watch that movie. No, yeah. I can't watch it. I can't. <laughs> can't watch it. I have to skip that part. Well, you got to find the 97 VHS because that's apparently closest to the originals you can get. My, my, my friend had that like when we were in like early 2000s so we used to watch it but then I went and bought the DVD. It's just... Totally. 2004 when they put it on DVD is totally it? a different movie. Yeah, it's a disaster. That's a, it's a really interesting history if you want to get into that. Just see the way that they've added things through the years. No, I'm, I'm okay. I don't want to be sad. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. So I... I honestly don't have many criticisms on the the fix because okay. I I thought they were solid. Yeah. I thought they were fun. I thoroughly enjoyed them. I think, I think the, the thing... opening line of that first one was also just immaculate. Oh yeah, written. yeah, it's very well written. Yeah, great language, mm-hmm. very descriptive, and yeah, absolutely. And it's I think the the thing about Indiana Jones is that it's an adventure and it's fun. Mm-hmm. You know, it might not always be the greatest thing, which I still think Indiana Jones the first three are 
great. The mm-hmm. second one, obviously, is the weakest of the three, in my opinion. Still fun. Still fun. And I think that's, at the core, what Indiana Jones needs to be. It needs to be fun. Mm-hmm. It's like when I uh, when they released the trailers for Aquaman and for Shazam mm-hmm. back in, like, December. Or it might have been even before that. But mm-hmm. whenever they released them. When they released the Aquaman poster, like, 30 years ago. Yeah, exactly. But my, my first thought... Yeah. My first thought was Shazam looks fun. Yeah. It doesn't need to be good. It doesn't need, you know, it doesn't need to have the best writing. It's not win. None of these are going to win no. Oscars. But it looks fun. Aquaman looked great, in my opinion. Visually, it looked amazing. Uh-huh. Uh, just, like, based on the trailer at the right. moment, that's what I was thinking. But Justice said, League looked fun. No, it, it didn't It looked ever, like garbage. Yeah. But was. Shazam looked fun. Yeah. Shazam looks fun. By the time this comes out, we'll have seen Shazam, so uh-huh. maybe we'll have different opinions. But the trailer, its own, it looked fun, and I think that's what Indiana Jones is at its core. It's supposed to be a fun, adventurous movie. Climbing into refrigerators. Yeah. Uh, no. Talking to Uma Thurman. No, she let's not talk about that one. Gets all the knowledge one. in the universe and explodes. No, I don't want to talk about that one. It hurts. Giant so, fire ants. Oh, no, let's not talk about that one. <laughs> Fun stuff. Uh, yeah, but I thought these fix at their core were fun. I thought they were fun, entertaining, adventurous, and I think they I think they hit that that tone really well. Yeah. And I don't think all fix do that. Even the good fix we've read don't hit the tone of the the way the movie should be or the, right. the fandom. Right. It is uh it's swashbuckling. That's yeah. what you're looking for. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Yeah. Pulp swashbuckling fun. Yep. Yeah. Well, those are good. I I did enjoy those stories. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there we go. That is Tinseltown and four times Indiana Jones didn't find treasure and the one time he did. did. Let me make sure I I said that right for those of you that want to read it. Four times Indiana Jones almost found an artifact and one time he did. Yeah. So both of those are on Archive of Our Own. And if you're not on, if you don't have like Archive of Your Own pop up as soon as you open your browser at this point, what are you doing? Yeah, come on. Come on. If you don't, if you, if you don't have, um, God, what's the one archive story that is not going to leave my Chrome anytime soon? <laughs> I have like several tabs of just, oh yeah, AO3 and fanfic.net where it, it's just like, I can't, I can't, I know I have time to read these, yep. but I can never close this tab. For some reason, every time I type in A on my, my Chrome, it's the perks of having a fake boyfriend that pops up. <laughs> the, the South Park fanfic oh, that we right, read. Right, yeah, right. with Tweaking Craig. So. Nice. There you go. I must really like South Park fanfic. Google's got you figured out. Google knows me mm-hmm. very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But thank you for listening. I uh, hope you enjoyed me stumbling through these these indie fix today. As Indy would have liked As it. As Indy would have. He's yeah. ad-libbing on He would have liked it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they're fun and uh, enjoyable, entertaining. Uh, let us know if you want us to read any, any fix, any fandoms, mm-hmm. any franchises, and anything else that starts with an F. I'll do it. Yep. I'll do yeah. it. Follow us on... The tweeters follow us. Uh, subscribe on YouTube. We're 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 putting content on YouTube that mm-hmm. about to is, drop some fire content. Yeah, about to drop some fire content. It might already be dropped by the time this comes out. So you maybe you subscribe and go wait for that content to drop. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's gonna be fun. It's it's I think it's funny. So we'll It'll see what goes on. Yep. Yeah, but yeah. Subscribe on YouTube. Smash like on all those vids too. Facebook. Yeah, Facebook. Follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Anywhere you can uh, access podcasts. Yeah, that's where you'll yeah. find us. Leave a and leave a leave a rating yeah. and a comment. And, yeah, leave uh, a review yeah. if you're if that's what you're inclined to do. We would really appreciate it, and we'll read it. There's like we read the last few. We we'll, we would need a couple more. I feel pathetic just reading one. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, oh, someone said we're nice. Yeah, yeah. I want everyone to said we're nice. Mm-hmm. You know. You 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 need to generate the content for this show. I'm done. We've yeah. generated enough content. Yeah, we've done it too much. This is episode 15. Okay, guys, we've done a lot. And by by me generating content, I mean the authors of the fanfics have yeah. generated the content. Yeah, that we're just cribbing. Taking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> any any nice remember while we go, Ryan? Go out and have an adventure today. Yeah, you can always find adventure in your life. So just get out your old dusty brown jacket. And uh, the one that you wore to your first archaeology first class, class where yeah, they first, shot you down. Yeah. Go out and have an adventure today. Go out, have an adventure, and try to stay away from some snakes. <laughs> I hate snakes. It's always snakes. Go to a museum. You belong in a museum! <laughs> <laughs>
I just wanted to introduce a few podcasts to you that you might like. We have actually listened to and reviewed each and every single one of these, so I can genuinely say, and Ryan can genuinely say, that they interested us, and they might actually interest you as well. Thank you for sticking around, and we'll see you right back here next week. Hey, true crime listeners, check out our podcast, I Said Goddamn. We're a true crime comedy podcast hosted by two besties who like to share messed up cases that make you say goddamn. Every Sunday, we try to one-up each other's story by sharing a horrific case the other has never heard of. Along the way, we splash in some wildly inappropriate jokes and colorful language. Listen every Sunday from any of your favorite podcast directories. Also, follow us on Twitter at ISGDpodcast or visit our website, isgdpodcast.com. Hi, I'm Chris. And I'm also Chris. And together we do a comedy podcast called Cooking with Grief. Each week we dive into four surprising facts about anything from science to history to the weird world we live in, making jokes about all of it as we go along. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can also find us on Twitter at Cooking with Grief. No G on cooking. Glitter, apparently, is so unique that it can be effectively used as forensic evidence. The Bank of England's chief economist has urged to start using people's Spotify playlists as a way of measuring the economy. In China, Avengers has been translated as Fulian, or Women's Federation. Not only did the Russians capture the uh, Crimean Peninsula, they also captured some Ukrainian military dolphins. In Pinocchio, when the film becomes a real boy, in the original, it ends with a cat and a fox hanging him from a tree. <laughs> of just... Scientists have wiped a snail's memory. <laughs> and Slytherin's going, can we have an extensive <laughs> series of tunnels sort of wide enough to fit a giant people-killing snake? Where do you fall on the, uh, on the scone-scone debate? Scone, obviously. Oh, I love scone. So, what have you got to lose? Give us a try. Nothing to lose but your sweet, precious time. Yeah, that's true. What a van, what a van, what a van, what a mighty good van sales. Can I help you? Yes, we're looking for a van. Any special features? Oh, child locks. We don't want to lose anyone. No windows. That's for privacy. And no carpet or seats. We want to be able to hose it out. Roomy. There's going to be a lot of moving around in there. All right. What's this van going to be used for, ladies? Oh, like everybody else, we're doing a podcast. I'm Jennifer Sandwich. I'm Mel Spells. And I'm a not culpable Acadia Einstein. (laughs) (laughs) We're the hosts of Yikes Murder and Stuff, a not safe for work podcast where every week we'll bring you stories of true murder, international crimes, and abnormal psychology. If that sounds like something you're into, then put your headphones on and hop in our nondescript windowless van and come see the puppies. Yikesmurderandstuff.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. And it's safe for work if you work at a construction site. (laughs) 